Today's episode is brought to you by Escher Construction Company. Do you have a construction project that involves tessellation? How about hyperbolic geometry? Or maybe even something as simple as a new ascending staircase to access your recently finished basement. Yep. Well, look no further than Escher Construction Company. Guys, yep. I cannot say enough good things about uh-huh. this company. I they mean, are yep. so top notch. They just um, put up that, I don't know, the thing that goes around the construction site. And then they work on the building, and then mm-hmm. once it goes down, it's like it's all done. Looks great. They're they're super fast. Yeah. Um, yep. Josh, I know you you used them recently, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. See, I had an issue where um um I didn't want to. I like going downstairs, but I don't like going going up. downstairs is great. Yeah. Going downstairs, love it. Yeah. Can't get enough. Of it. <laughs> yeah. Going yeah. up the stairs, however, uh-huh. no, thank you. Yeah. Not now, for me. I will say, Not for me. Uh, I have a little bit of a query for you regarding okay. that. Have you tried going up the stairs in beast mode? I know what you're going to say, yeah. <laughs> okay, I've tried that. Also not for me. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. See, that's fine. Everybody's different. I, I I do not like to consider myself a beast. Oh, okay. Huh. All right, well, if that's... Yeah, if that's you. But Escher was able to come out, and they put in... Uh, it's basically a square-shaped staircase mm-hmm. where yeah. you can just keep going down it yeah. and get off at different points that were either above or below. Yeah, them. yeah. Uh, right, if you... so you can, you can go downstairs and reach the attic. Yes, uh-huh. exactly. If you've yeah, seen that's... Inception, there's a part mm-hmm. of that movie where they kind of made it look like that. Yeah. It's like that, kind of. Kind of, You know, I yeah. think they worked on the um, Inception set. Yep. Exactly. That's ringing a bell for me. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. I think uh-huh. they used them. So yeah. Uh-huh. It's, that's all coming together. It's awesome. Another uh-huh. reason. I think they use. also were on the movie The Shining. Oh, really? Where you had, like... I think, I think the guy who started the company worked on The Shining. Yeah. Where you had the and little that's... kid who, like, does four He's left on the turns in his tricycle oh, yeah. or something, which shouldn't be possible. Oh. And well, there's, like... Possible. Yeah. Thanks to Escher. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. And, well, there's... You have to think about too. There's the spinning top thing. Oh yeah, yeah and it's yeah. like the movie, and you can kind of see it. It's it spinning. It's spinning. It yeah. wobbled, but it's spinning. Uh-huh. And the movie ends. You're like, oh, it's about to. Will yeah. it fall down? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, but then the movie ends. See, no, so you're like a common misconception is that the the top is cop's totem. Yeah, but uh-huh. actually, Mal is his totem. But that's oh. a whole other episode. We oh, can okay. get into that. Okay. So the top does tip over then? No, it doesn't. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Well, that's that's just another thing. Another thing to think yeah. about is that's what I'm saying. That's um, that's for our Inception series. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. we can do later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, uh, it's Tuesday again. That means it's time to get the content crew back together for another 45 of edutainment. Uh, Broadcasting live from the Content Academy Mobile Command Center, or Josh and I. hey And calling in from our house is Georgia. What's up? So, today we're starting a little bit of a new series. We're going to be talking about cult classic movies that were box office flops. Yes. This is a concept that no other podcast has ever done. Yeah. Uh, we're very excited about so it. So, our first episode, we're going to be talking about this movie. It came out in 1980. stars Olivia Newton-John. Among some other actors. See, a lot of podcasts like to do episodes about 
good movies and successful movies. Oh, yeah. But we're a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so pussy. Yeah. If I could just, I'd like to read you guys the, the rear cover of the Xanadu VHS. So, yes, the movie's called Xanadu. Oh, sorry. It's all right. Spoiler alert. It's all right. Go ahead, Josh. <laughs> um, to so, kind of just give our, our listeners just an idea of what it's about. This is a taste, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's in color. It's 96 minutes, rated PG. Uh-huh. A Xanadu is a look at the future and a loving remembrance of the way things were in the holiday of... In the, hey now, that's a little Hollywood. tricky. That's a little tricky. Damn. Heyday of Hollywood. Heyday of Hollywood. Hollywood of Hollywood. Hollywood. <laughs> Hey... Damn. Damn. Red, yellow. Yeah. All right. baby buggy <laughs> Let me just take it from the top. Yeah. Xanadu is a look at the future and a loving remembrance of the way things were in the holiday of... Damn it. <laughs> in the heyday of Hollywood. Okay. The musical score includes the hit songs Magic, I'm Alive, All Over the World, Suddenly, and the title song Xanadu. Olivia Newton-John, the screen's newest love goddess, will dazzle your senses with her luminous beauty and beautiful voice. She and Gene Kelly star in this dazzling musical fantasy. The 40s meet the 80s in Xanadu, a very special love story in the first lavish, old-fashioned musical to utilize today's music. Now, to kind of start off the discussion a little bit, although we do have headlines from this week to talk about, I keep seeing this in, I don't know, discussion about the movie. They always talk about 40s meet the 80s. What's that about? Okay. Oh, so I have some notes on that. You do? Should we save it for later? Maybe we'll save this for later. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that part just confused me. Uh, but before hey, we... Alex? What? What do you say we get into some headlines? Hey! I hey. like that. And if I could add, let's crack them open. <laughs> let's crack them open. All right, let's see here. Hey, this is the, uh, uh, the big news story of this week. On Wednesday, the Capitol was raided by far-right insurrectionists hell-bent on stopping the electoral vote certification process awarding the presidency to Joe Biden. Last night, the pantry was raided by me, <laughs> hell-bent on eating some lemon Oreos. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Alex has breached the pantry. <laughs> and let me just say, those Oreos did not put up much of a fight. Oh. Uh, let's see here. Elon Musk has surpassed Jeff Bezos in wealth now becoming the richest person in the world. When asked for a comment, Jeff Bezos said, Hold on, let me go check my couch cushions. (laughs) That might tip the scales a little bit. (laughs) Alright, let's see here. Um, Seven-time classic Tetris world champion Jonas Niebauer died at age 38. You guys hear about this? No. His coffin oh. is kind of the shape of the eye block. That's dumb. That's dumb. That's dumb. Too soon. You're right. Uh, Apple rem- Apple has removed, uh, let's see, social conservative social media app parlor. That's mm-hmm. what you call it. Apple has removed uh, this uh, conservative social media app parlor from the App Store uh, in the wake of the U.S. Capitol riot. No word yet, however, on Angry Birds. <laughs> that one's still up there. T- Twitter has permanently banned Trump's account. In a grave measure to preserve democracy, Neopets and Webkins have followed suit. <laughs> uh, and finally, uh, this is a big story right here. Josh and I were just talking about this. The Pope... Uh, is urging the U.S. to protect democracy after the mob attack on the Capitol. 
as long as he is elected the next president. <laughs> I think he could do a lot of good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So now that we've got kind of the news story aside, kind of a kind of a busy news week, but we have a lot more to talk about mm-hmm. aside from news. Priorities here. Exactly. So we have each prepared a segment about this movie, Xanadu. Uh, and if you have not seen it, I encourage you to watch it. Pause the episode right here. Yep. Go watch it. I found it. Uh, I was able to watch it for free on this website called 123movies.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, when you click play, your screen like flashes a few times. Right. And like it starts downloading a few things. But I was able to watch it uh, all the way through. It was slightly slowed down. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you get what you pay for. So, <laughs> we, each, we have each prepared a segment. So, who would like to volunteer to go first? Or should we just uh, open up the episode to just discussion about the movie? First? Everyone what should we do? talks at once. Maybe we should go through, like, a brief plot synopsis. Okay, of yeah. what happens. Sounds like a good idea. Okay, okay. Um... Now, right away, Josh, yeah. Like to, do you like to take us through a synopsis, and then um, I can kind of go off of that with what I have? Sure, yeah. So, and also, if I could, I'd kind of like to speak to how I discovered this movie, because I'd like to think that I kind of brought this to You did, you view. totally did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you did. So, yeah. my first experience with this movie was with, uh, I think I was 16, maybe, maybe even 15. 15 or 16, um, and I was dating this girl, and she was obsessed with this movie, hmm. um, and she showed it to me, and now I was... hold on, because I want to try to remember what her name was. Okay. Georgia, her maybe you can help Kira. me on this. Brooke. Her name was Kira. Kira. Oh, because the movie... I'm waiting. I'm getting yeah, to that. Right. Okay. I'm getting right. to that. Okay, all right. Because it actually was Brooke that introduced this movie to me. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, okay. But, so, but I liked it so much... Uh-huh. Uh, like, after I'd broken up with Brooke, I was dating Kira, <laughs> uh-huh. and I showed her this movie, oh. and she revealed to me that she loved this movie as well, no and that way. she was, in fact, named after no John's character. Yes, this <laughs> is totally true. Odds? Yes. Wow. Huh. So, I've okay. been watching this movie for, well, I've known about it for, like, Over 12 ten. years. Yeah. I've <laughs> yeah. yeah. been... watched it annually for 12 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not well, not so much annually, but it has been seared into my brain, huh. so I'm pretty uh, familiar with it. So, the the movie begins, uh, it, a mural is of of nine women uh, mm-hmm. is on the wall. Yeah, I guess actually. <laughs> so it's slightly before this, we see Sonny painting something, and he just hates it and rips it up and throws the little. Yeah, so that's right. Piece of paper okay. into the wind. That's right. Yeah. So the main character is a guy who's a painter. Yeah. Okay. And this is one of the many crimes of Sonny Malone. <laughs> he litters paper. Out yeah. The window. Okay. Uh-huh. We'll get more into his crimes later. Yeah. But. So the paper flies away past this mural of nine women, and then ELO kicks in the first needle drop. Yeah. Uh, I'm alive is the song, and as the the lyrics resound, the women on the mural come to life, and they are wearing frilly bedsheets as dresses. 
and mm. they start dancing and then they become beams of light and kind of just run away kind of like they kind of remind me of like how the flash is stylized sometimes yeah uh-huh. like they're going so fast that there's just a blur of light behind them yeah it's like it's like uh, that like rainbow bright kind of light yeah very yeah. Neon yeah. Colors, all different colors. Yeah. So they all go away, uh, but one one of the women uh-huh. kind of just hangs starts around. Starts roller a bit. roller skating. She starts rollerblading. And this is kind of a, and I'm gonna correct you for a second. They're roller skating. True. Yeah. Rollerblading was not invented yet. <laughs> yeah, that is totally true. It's actually. kind of a common theme throughout the movie that people are roller skating. Yeah. Uh, and I think we'll get to this later, a big reason for the film's critical and commercial demise is that nobody cared about roller skating at this point in 1980. Yeah. Roller skating was on its way out. And so whoever made this, Robert Greenwald was like, let's make a movie about roller skating. Uh, if it had been, if it had been about roller blading. Now that would be a different story. <laughs> That would be a whole other movie. Then you would just basically end up with Soulskate, the the decom. Yeah, basically. Okay, so let's see. Uh, we get a little bit of character. We get a little bit of character background about Sonny, kind of where he works. He works. He paints uh, record well, sleeves. He does like. Um, he does like uh, this is a job that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. He, yeah, he does he, posters of um, music uh, album. Covers. He makes bigger oh. versions of album covers oh, okay. to serve as posters. <clears throat> I see. This was before they had invented uh, inkjet printers. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. Uh, and then he's out walking, thinking about how much he hates his job, I think. Yeah. Uh, and then the the girl character that Josh was just talking about, she roller skates up to him and gives him a kiss. Uh-huh. And so... The next, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes is this guy trying to find this girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he's talking to all these people, and they're like, she doesn't exist. <laughs> uh, because the implication is that she's a goddess, or right. she's a muse, or something. Well, he doesn't find that out. He, he just. That yeah, he yeah. just thinks she's some crazy woman uh-huh. who kissed him. Uh huh. Which is so, so messed and then up. piece by piece. Yeah, I mean, you can imagine if the roles were reversed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> and then this kind of... Before the whole consent conversation really ended. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, and then kind of he finds out... Uh, I think that I was asleep for this part, so I don't really remember. <laughs> but I think that one way or another they meet again. And then they kind of... she Does she, like, explain to so him? So how he finds her is he notices that... She is on the cover of an album that he's supposed to reproduce. Uh huh. Yeah. And he tracks down the photographer for the album cover, mm-hmm. and the photographer was like, "I don't know who this chick was. Yeah. She just appeared in frame in yeah. one of the photos that I took, uh-huh. and I liked it and kept it. Uh-huh. And so, and he points him, the main character, Sonny, to the location where he took the photo. Okay. And so he goes there, and it's this rundown old. Uh, it's, it used to be like a theater or a okay. club uh-huh. or something. It is the, it's, well, it's the Pan Pacific Auditorium in real life. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I yeah, see. I haven't been on that too, but. Yeah, cool. I remember this part. Okay. So he, he, he hears music coming from inside it and breaks in mm-hmm. on the crime of Crime number two. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and then he sees this woman in there roller skating. Uh-huh. And 
you know, talks to her. Yeah. And she's like, what's, it? they talk about like how it's a coincidence that they keep running into each yeah, other. Yeah. And he is thirsting for her. Uh-huh. And then she basically just disappears again. Uh-huh. And then they start talking about how, well, she starts talking about how she, as a muse or whatever she is, she's not supposed no, to have emotions. <laughs> uh, How did you sleep through this fucking game? I, <laughs> I, okay, listen. So I was asleep for that part. For this part, however, I was on my phone for this okay. part. So <laughs> <laughs> There's the clarinet part. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh, okay. It was Gene Kelly. Okay. And uh, contemporary to there. Fred Astaire. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the, delivering the letters. Yeah. So, <laughs> Georgia, kind of take us through Act 2 here. Okay, so... The clarinet guy study. is kind of the turning point. Yeah. Act 1 into study. Act 2. Well, in Joseph Campbell's uh, Hero's Journey, uh, Danny McGuire would be kind of the wizard, the Merlin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph Campbell, so, isn't that like Evil so Dead? No. Danny no. Uh, he used oh, to be like an orchestra leader. He plays clarinet, <laughs> and now he's a construction mogul. Um, and they get to talking, and eventually they figure out that Danny once knew a girl back in the '40s who looked like Kira. <clears throat> okay. And. Um, they they have like a dance sequence and of course it's Olivia Newton John again. So the assumption here is that in the forties Terpsichore had was Kira also had shown up and inspired Danny mm-hmm. to do whatever they were gonna do, open a nightclub or something. We also um, we skipped over one of my favorite parts, which is Sonny meets Danny and then sees Kira again and just borrows someone's moped. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he says, I'll take it right back. And she says, as long as you take it, bring it back in person or something. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's the weirdest thing. There are these two girls with their mopeds Uh just parked. And they're, like, talking to each other or something. And Uh Sonny just walks up, confident as all hell. Yeah. And just says, hey, I need to borrow this. Yeah. And the woman's just like, yeah, sure. That's fine, as long as you bring it back in person. (laughs) This kind of underscores how terrible the dialogue is in this movie. Yeah. Well, you know, the important part is that he asked. Because if he had, that would have been crime number three. That's true. Three crimes, you go to jail. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Kind of pretty close. Yeah. But, yeah, he meets up with Danny. And um, they figure out they kind of have this woman in common. But it's not really explicitly said that it was the same Mm -hmm. woman. And then uh, Danny encourages Sonny and Kira to open... Um, this old rundown auditorium, which I think he owned. He owns this place. Oh, and so okay. the three of them kind of become partners and they open a uh, roller disco and they name it Xanadu. And mm-hmm. then. Yeah. Um, and that's. The movie just sort of ends there. Well, yep. almost. I mean, then Kira says, I can't stay because I'm a muse. And oh, yeah, so there's that part. Like, at least one of us is having fun because he thinks her saying i'm a muse is saying and then um she Kira, gets away kira's trying to leave and then sunny like forcefully kisses her and he says you're telling me that's not real oh my God. <laughs> that cracks it's me up every bad. time he just but i think sunny yeah. goes to um the, like olympus yeah and then, now, Georgia, they don't use those old-fashioned names anymore. 
She roller skates into the mural that she comes out of. He blue skidoos into the mural. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like Mario 64 yeah. into the... Yeah. And I was actually watching this movie in VR, so when he did that, I accidentally roller skated oh, no. into my wall. Yeah. Okay. Were you on roller skates while you were? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the only way to watch Duh. the movie. Yeah. Actually, there are several ways to watch the movie. This is the only way to experience Yeah, the movie. that's right. <laughs> right, right, right. But, I mean, without giving too much away, eventually they open the roller club, they name it Xanadu, and Kira gets to kind of come back to be with Sunny because uh-huh. they fell in love. And... Well, what the gods, what, what uh, Zeus says is like, Okay, she can stay just for just for a day or something, uh-huh. or maybe or forever. Maybe. Yeah. I can't yeah. <laughs> keep getting those mixed yeah. up. Yeah, <laughs> grossly incompetent <laughs> supreme beings here. Yeah, figures. Yeah. No, and so they—it's kind of like Kira does leave, but then Sunny meets a waitress that looks just like her. Yeah. So it's kind of like is that Kira? kind of riffing off of the end of kind of Night at the Museum. Battle of the Smithsonian. Yeah, yeah. Kind no. of similar vibes there. I, yes, I didn't get that sense yes, at all. yes. Because I, in that movie, he falls in love with. Uh, well, in that movie, he's a night guard, like uh-huh. night watchman. Uh, Larry Daly, if you recall, of <laughs> Daily Devices, and he he, like, <laughs> he falls in love with Amelia Earhart, but obviously she's like I don't know a wax figure or statue. Obviously she's a wax figure. Right. Something you know. Uh, and then at the end, he meets somebody who looks just like her. So oh, that's okay. kind of, you can see where they got it from. <laughs> yeah. Xanadu so. got it from Night of the Museum. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. No. As we've established, muses can kind of go anywhere in history. So Right, it, that's true. It, it tracks, it's fine. But that's Xanadu in a nutshell. And mm-hmm. then, you know. But um, Yeah, the plot of the movie is... Uh, inconsequential really exactly uh, Josh can you kind of there's a way you described the plot that I thought was very accurate oh yeah so like ostensibly the theme of the movie is like chasing your dreams if there is one that's can, yeah. that's reaching right there it really is although yeah. there is one one I thought really good line in the movie which is from Danny McGuire and he says dreams don't die we kill them Oh, okay. Do you yes, yeah, I missed, no, I missed that part. Yeah, that's probably yeah. the only actually good line in it. I, yeah. I liked that line. Um, yeah. But that's kind of, and it kind of sums up the whole movie, too. So, yeah. Being a sellout versus chasing no. your dreams. Well, all of the, and I'll get into this later, really all of the creative choices in the film were commercial choices. It was a money grab. That's what I see. The creative process and going after your dreams you know, no matter what the consequences are, because that's what's important, because otherwise you're just going to have this dead-end job. But this movie was literally, like, it probably felt like a dead-end job to the people who were working yeah, on it. Yeah, that's... Uh, Robert yeah. Greenwald was, was a brutal capitalist. Delivery. It was It was pieced <laughs> together. The music wasn't even... Most of it wasn't even really recorded for the mm-hmm. movie. It was mm-hmm. already part of ELO's... Um, catalog mm-hmm. if and alex maybe you can back me up on that later yep, yep. but it was just kind of pieced together the script was written during filming uh-huh. so it's ludonarrative dissonance at its finest yep yeah so um to kind of go into what i have for for this film it made 23 million at the box office the budget for the film was 20 million so 
Wow. It didn't perform great. Uh, part of this was because the movie was released post-Disco Peak. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which, the po- which I found out... Was, guys, this movie led me down so many rabbit holes. Yeah. <laughs> because I was like, okay, post-Disco Peak. When did Disco Peak? <clears throat> that was undeniably the week of July 21st, 1979, when seven of the top ten songs in the U.S. were disco tunes. Wow. Bad Girls by Donna Summer, Ring My Bell by Anita Ward. The Hustle by Van McCoy. <laughs> Good Times by Chief, Making It by David Naughton, and Boogie Wonderland by Earth and Fire. Oh, okay. Uh, and then I think number six or number eight or something was Shine a Little Love by ELO. Huh. And then, so that was the peak. And then My Sharona by The Knacks effectively ended Disco's huh. Deadly hmm. Long Run with a six week run at number one. Like, like the next the next week so wow really my sharona was the was the nail in the coffin did you see when was the time when people started burning all their disco albums Hmm. oh yeah that was like um that was like the year before this came out that was 79 then i think it was 79 77 79 somewhere in there Hmm. so yeah not a good time for this to come out (laughs) and this um so this is crazy too pay attention because this is going to go in a couple circles all right be on the exam all right no (laughs) this movie was inspired by a 1947 film called down to earth Mm -hmm. starting rita hayworth as the muse terpsichore okay who helps failing broadway producer danny Mm. wink wink uh fix his musicals so he doesn't get killed by the mob wow this movie is a sequel to the 1941 movie, Here Comes Mr. Jordan, which is about a boxer who mistakenly is taken to heaven but gets a second chance at life back on Earth, which is based on a 1938 play called Heaven Can Wait, on which another movie is based, also called Down to Earth, which came out in 2001 and stars Chris Rock as a comedian who gets a second chance at life but in the body of a rich white man. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, so this, this is like layers. Yeah. So this movie and Down to Earth are contemporaries, kind of. <laughs> yeah, this is like it's, it's like a lateral move. Yeah. All it's told, just, it's not an original story by any stretch. Uh-huh. What really blows my mind is that in the '40s you could just make a movie called Here Comes Mr. Jordan, and that's fine. <laughs> yeah. and that's fine. They really were calling movies anything. Yeah. Back then. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Well, you wonder what it's about, but it says it right there. Yeah. <laughs> There's Mr. Jordan. Here yeah. he comes. Huh. Here he comes. He's a boxer. But, so I thought that was just a wild ride from start to finish. The more I was like, reading yeah. about it. Yeah. Buckle up. And then, yeah, right. Buckle up because of all of that. And then this movie was one of the films responsible for the creation of the Golden Raspberry Award. Which yep. I'm sure you guys saw mm-hmm. that as well. Um, yeah. Along with Can't Stop the Music, which was a pseudo biography about the disco group Village People, which I didn't know about. This got um, like the first Razzie, didn't it? So I have a list of what of what they were nominated for and, and what they won. So Can't Stop the Music also came out in 1980. They were being shown as a double feature for like 99 cents. Um, Xanadu was nominated for every Razzie award except two. <laughs> okay. Uh, worst director, which it won. Yeah. Worst actor, Michael Beck. Yeah. Worst actress, Olivia Newton John, and worst original song for Suspended in Time. It lost worst picture and worst screenplay to Can't Stop the Music. 
Hmm. So that was kind of right out of the gates. Um, I think there was one um, reviewer who, who said, like, Xana, don't. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Drown him. <laughs> when I was researching this, um, as just kind of like, okay, it, t- it totally flopped at the time, but what was its cultural impact? Well, there uh, there was an off-Broadway musical called Xanadu um, that opened in 2007, and it ran for over 500 performances. And I watched it on YouTube. Oh, you watched it? It's amazing. You guys should watch it. Okay. Because I think it only keeps like five lines from I've heard that the musical is making fun of the movie. It's a parody of it, yeah. But it delivers Let's see if it's on one, two, three movies. Probably one, two, three musicals, maybe. Sisters Evil. It gives more character development. It keeps all the songs and then adds a couple more ELO songs and an Olivia Newton-John song. Hmm. Nice. And it's still 90 minutes. So wow. it's great. Highly recommend it. Um, fun fact about that, Jane Krakowski was almost Kira. But oh. she left so she could do 30 Rock. Oh, wow. Hmm. I know, right? So that was so that's fun. But <clears throat> the um, off-Broadway musical Xanadu was nominated for Best Musical and Best Book, which refers to the spoken nonsense right. dialogue and storyline of a musical, which after watching it, completely understand why. Um, and then it won the Drama Desk Award for Outstanding Book of the Musical, um, huh. which also led me down a rabbit hole. What the heck's a Drama Desk? Drama Desk <laughs> considers Broadway, Off-Broadway, and Off-Off-Broadway shows in the same competitive categories, whereas Tony's will do just like Best Broadway, Best Off-Broadway. So... Winning a drama desk is almost like, in some ways, better because you're being compared with more categories. Of See, I thought the drama desk was just surely in HR. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> She's always talking about drama. Anyway, continue. <laughs> um, so I watched the musical. It was really good. Um, and... I don't know. I was I, I've been watching it a little bits and pieces all week. Really enjoyed that. Um, I think it really brought what the movie lacked, which was character development. I think part of the reason it flopped is there's, there's no real conflict in it. Right. Yeah. You know. So, and I, I really, it's saving grace at the time, was the soundtrack, which yeah. Alex, I think you. Um, have more to say about the music on it. Yep. Yeah. If you want to take it away. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll take it away. Like Georgia said, the music was kind of the best part about the movie. Uh, and I thought that we could kind of, right off the bat, uh, open the episode up to a little bit of a track by track discussion. Okay. So the soundtrack has 10 songs on it. Uh, and in the soundtrack, they aren't ordered. Uh, as they appear in the movie, I think I that noticed that. they should be. I don't know why they aren't. <laughs> uh, but first on the soundtrack, at least, is Magic, which is performed by Olivia Newton-John. We've kind of discussed this in our group chat this week. It's a very good song. Uh, well, it was number one for like four weeks in the States. Yes, and I I uh, think that many people who like the song don't realize that it's from this movie. But uh, the soundtrack went double platinum. 
It did, yes, in both the U.S. and Canada. But uh, I say that the song was from the movie, but I, I think that for m many of these songs, if not all of them, they aren't as much from the movie as they are simply in the movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, because Electric Light Orchestra had them already. Yes. Uh, though Jeff Lynne was asked to write songs for the movie, he used songs that were already written. Um, and though Olivia Newton-John collaborated with her longtime producer, John Farrar, um, they may have been technically written for the movie, although the lyrics uh, bear no resemblance to the events happening on screen. Uh, so I think those can also, you can also count those as being, yeah. those songs as being pretty much completely unrelated to the movie. Um, Although if you were to write songs specifically for the movie, they would basically just be about roller skating, right? Yes, exactly. There's <laughs> not much like you could write them about. Point. What? You say that like it's a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Electric Light Orchestra later re-recorded the song Xanadu in 2000. Oh, really? Uh, and I personally like that version a lot better. And... Yeah. They included their song All Over the World in their 2005 compilation album of the same name, although that version of the song is simply the version in the movie. So there's a sequence... Well, jam, so. What's that? It's a total jam. It's, so. it's good. I mean, I like, I like all the songs on the movie. Uh, it slaps, it's a bop. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly, uh, I believe this is the duet, duet mm -hmm. between... Um, the two leads, or the lead and the other guy that's in the movie, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah. An interesting it's fact. It's not Michael Beck singing. It, yeah, exactly. It's somebody else singing. Uh, Richard. This song is pretty good. That's my favorite, I think. That's it's your so favorite. Not, yeah. Well, this song, they're not singing in the movie. It just kind of plays over yeah. it while yeah. they're walking while around, people. skating around. Yeah. Uh, but it's good. Uh, the next song on the soundtrack is this dancing song, uh, which Josh um, Josh said that he really likes, and I really like too. Uh, Georgia, I don't know if you like it. It there is that's a the coolest part of the movie. It's a I very. Know, I feel like that's the one scene in the movie that really does showcase some creativity. Mm -hmm. That's a good point, uh, and. I that think was ambitious. a lot, yes, and a lot can be said about the movie as a whole when you take into account that though this sequence is really cool, it has very little to do with the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, so basically, these two two of the main characters, or you could also say one of the main characters and one just random guy that's in the movie, <laughs> uh, are in this abandoned building that they're wanting to turn into a roller skating disco club. So they're they're kind of imagining what band could be playing in there. And Gene Kelly's character is imagining a 40s-style big band, while the other guy is imagining a modern, well, to the at the time, modern rock band. And so what... It's like, this is the 80s. Exactly. We need a rock <laughs> band. <laughs> and what follows is a... I'm not sure how long it actually is. It feels like it's 20 minutes long, but... Josh and I discovered yeah, it's, like, it's only like five minutes long. Yeah, it's like five minutes. Uh, it's a bizarre sequence that has no effect on the plot. The two 
bands, the two styles of music are simply trading off playing these two songs that kind of kind of work together. Uh, okay, hater. It's a it's a jarring juxtaposition. It is very jarring. But it somehow kind of works in the end. Yeah. Uh, and yes, it comes together and the, like the two stages merge and you're like, this is working. And well, I know why they did it. It's because what they were going for, and Josh, you hit on this in that beautiful synopsis on the back of the DVD. 40s meets the 80s. The, the, yeah, the 40s meets the 80s. It's the, this is that personified. The thesis and the antithesis combined to form the synthesis. <laughs> that doesn't make that any sense. A, because... Yeah, there it is. Okay, listen. <laughs> listen to me. That's so, it. it's kind of like a chicken meets egg situation because is that sentence on the synopsis of the movie because of this sequence or is a sequence in the movie because it's actually what they were like planning on doing with the movie and if so why doesn't any of the rest of the movie reflect that well so they have gene kelly uh-huh this is me putting my producer hat on okay right? all right we have we can get gene oh we can get olivia i'm beginning to see okay so now we need some kind of bridge to oh. put them together okay all right some I guy see. with a really the hands deep... help a lot some yeah <laughs> yeah some we need some kind of bridge some kind of mm, uh-huh. i don't know guy with a really big face okay okay yeah <laughs> okay so the main guy yeah, in the some movie guy, some guy was like well will this mannequin work <laughs> like, oh well yeah. Well, well, here's Michael Beck. Oh, I don't have to do. Man. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, I did find, if I can interject, I found this amazing quote from Michael Beck, and I, I could not I could not authenticate it, <laughs> but I really, really hope it's true. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> quote, well, because before this in 79, um, Michael Beck starred in Warriors, uh-huh. which is a cult classic in its own right. Oh. Um, I hated the movie, but, it's, you know, it's there. I haven't seen but, it. But um, he was, don't. <laughs> um, he experienced a lot of popularity because of that and so he's quoted by saying warriors opened a lot of doors for me xanadu closed all of them oh man <laughs> oh man and i so want to find the source of that because i want that to be true yeah just, it's also a little heartbreaking but i just found that so hilarious yeah that's... It, i mean to be fair this movie closed a lot of doors for olivia and john as well yeah this was supposed to be the start yeah, for solo career to come back that uh, and really i don't really blame their performances on them completely either because the script is so bad mm-hmm. and the direction i'm sure it was awful mm-hmm. well and that's another weird thing too and alex will finish the soundtrack in a second but i've got a rabbit hole for this too so the director robert greenwald he went on to make documentaries that's what he's done now uh-huh. this was and his then, first movie by the way oh this really was his first movie mm-hmm. and then the um like the crew like i believe the producer the um producer and co-producer um both went on to work on like predator and die hard oh um, joel silver oh joel silver and, right yeah yeah mm-hmm. he also yeah, did batman so, and robin batman forever yeah like, okay most people went on from this to be pretty successful except the people who actually showed their faces <laughs> wow <laughs> but huh that's no, interesting it's just a weird it's you would not think that this is where a lot of um, people got their start. And a lot of people who did the choreography went on to do bigger and better things as well. And wow. Some of the choreography is pretty pretty fantastic on yeah. that. And some of it isn't. Yeah. And some of it is not. That's interesting. Some of it is very much not. Another interesting fact about that uh, 
that sequence we were just talking about with the song Dancing is that the rock band in that sequence is actually a real rock band called The Tubes. Oh, oh, really? And I didn't recognize any of their songs, but they were popular in the late 70s and 80s. They're in that sequence, the... The, the tubes, I guess. Yeah. It's very, very obvious that they're not playing their instruments. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But they are there. So. They are definitely there. Next is Suspended in Time, which I think I heard Georgia say was something about, like, the worst song ever or something. <laughs> yeah. Is this the one in the animation sequence? Yes, I think okay. it is. Uh, that's the Don't Walk Away, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, that's later. So what's this one? Suspended in what? Time? Suspended in Time. That's when she is, like, in the um like olympus essentially except they don't really show it as olympus it just almost looks like she's in tron or yeah. something <laughs> and yeah she's like yeah. singing because she's sad because she had to leave sunny okay that makes sense something like that she wants to be suspended in the moment forever with a man she loves that makes but sense. yeah like one worse song <laughs> okay all right yeah uh next is whenever you're away from me which is the duet between olivia and gene, gene kelly, gene kelly which mm-hmm. is in the flashback sequence uh mm-hmm. which is pretty good uh it's another another song it's an, it, it displays kind of the variety of genres on the soundtrack uh mm-hmm. that that scene is interesting as well because uh Olivia and John and Grace Kelly actually have some degree of chemistry on screen together, mm-hmm. and it really highlights how little chemistry that she and Michael Beck have. Uh, yeah. Right. No. The movie yeah, just kind of I moves and that. sparkles a little bit whenever Grace Kelly is on. Yeah. The screen, but yeah. whenever he's not there, you kind of don't really feel anything about these people. That's a good point. Uh, yeah, like maybe a little bit for Kira, but then yeah, just, yeah, Michael Beck's performance, I think, really brings it down Uh unfortunately for him all right moving on we have i'm alive which is i believe the first song in the movie Mm -hmm. it's a great Mm -hmm. song uh probably my favorite on on the soundtrack uh alex i think if you were going to write a song for this movie uh you would have written i'm alive really yeah, it, it feels Alex to me. Oh, thank you. I like that a lot. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank this you. is pretty straight up ELO stuff right here. Yeah. It's yeah. good. Which, is, which makes sense because they didn't write it for the movie or anything. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Next is The Fall. I absolutely hate this song. <laughs> it's, really scary. it's really scary to me. <laughs> so I don't like listening to it. So I kind of skip. So I'll kind of, uh, I'll kind of uh, let you inside... When I listen to this soundtrack, kind of the songs that I listen to and the songs I skip. Okay. So I listen to Magic and Suddenly and Dancing if I have the patience for it. <laughs> um, I skip Suspended in Time whenever you're away from me. I listen to I'm Alive. I skip The Again. Fall. Yeah. I listen to that one twice. <laughs> I skip The Fall. I skip Don't Walk Away. Because mm-hmm. listen, if it's, a, if it's below 100 beats per minute... I'm out. Yep. Uh, I listen to All Over the World, and then I listen to Xanadu twice. There you go. And then I listen to the ELO version of Xanadu. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you, at this point, you would have heard the word Xanadu. Exactly. Sixty-three times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, I think they say. I read this in one of the factoids on IMDb. They say the word Xanadu twenty-one times in the sequence. Okay. In the Xanadu right. sequence okay. of the movie. Okay, that's, and that's like the song. 
I don't know if that, that might also include the part before that where they're okay. kind of all chanting Xanadu. Right, I see, I see. Do you remember that part? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. weird. We'll get to that. That's a good but. point. And, yeah. uh... So well, also, if I could, I could just add... Yeah, sure. Uh, every every uh, singer-songwriter, when they're probably 15 or 16, writes a song called The Fall. Yeah, uh-huh. I think I've written about three or four. Yeah, yeah. I'm working on number six right <laughs> okay. now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. And since we're kind of on the topic, um, my kind of thoughts when it comes to music and songs uh-huh. are that I think every single song should be basically exactly half as long as it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, or if not that, uh, n- now listen, <laughs> either half as long or halfway through the song, the song should just start a completely different song. Okay. Because... 99% of the time after that first chorus, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, all that aside, um, there actually isn't that much info about the music of this movie when it comes to behind the scenes. Uh, which makes sense because, like we've talked about before, none of the music was kind of written for the movie. Uh, thrown together. Exactly. But I also chalk that up to this movie being absolutely critically panned. Uh, and I did have that the, the movie was later adapted into a stage musical, which Georgia touched on. Right. right. Uh, which actually serves as a satire of the film version. Well, John Farrar, Olivia Newton-John's friend, uh-huh. who he wrote half of the soundtrack and E.L. wrote the other half. Yep. So John Farrar also wrote... The new songs that were written for the Grease movie. Oh, really? He wrote. Um, uh, I'm blanking on the name right now. Hmm. Um, Georgia, what are like the big songs on Grease? You're the one I want. You're the one that I want. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he wrote that one, oh, okay. and I think Reese. he wrote. It's like a flying car. Grease is the word. Oh, yeah. That's, that's it's something song. else. I don't so Grease the movie Grease was based on an older musical, oh. a stage musical okay. that already had songs, but for the movie. John Farrar wrote a couple new songs for it. And another interesting thing uh, about that relation between Xanadu and Greece is that John Travolta was on the short list yes. for the cast of yes. the main guy. So was Mel Gibson. Yep. Which is weird. That would have been a very movie. That would have been insane. I was thinking um, I would have liked to see either of those, but I, who I really think would have made a great Sonny Malone um. Oh frick! I can't remember his name. John Mulaney. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What? That's pretty good. John Mulaney. Can okay. you do a, maybe a few lines for so, us? So yeah, just, I was so thinking... we can, just so we can kind of like picture what you know what it would be like. <laughs> this yeah, is help us imagine. Yeah. So this is, this is kind of John Mulaney telling his friend about meeting Kira. Uh-huh. He'd be like. So I was reconsidering my life, and as one does, I went to the beach, when this woman barrels out of nowhere at me on roller skates, and she kisses me. So I think to myself, whoa, I was just sexually assaulted. Cool. Can you do the So quick... that's kind of the yeah, 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 yeah. Can you do the quicksand thing? <laughs> when I was younger, I thought quicksand would be a much bigger problem. <laughs> okay. Right. That would have been a very different movie. <laughs> yeah. You know who I think would have made a good uh, 
Sonny in this movie? Who? Leo. Leo DiCaprio. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I think he was about seven at the time. <laughs> seven months old. Yeah, yeah. Um. So anyway, yeah, that's... So uh, everybody in the Patreon, um, give us your dream cast for Sonny Malone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, maybe next week we can pick a winner. Yeah. So that's all I had about the music. Uh, oh, and when um, when Sonny goes to uh, Mount Olympus to go to, to rescue Kira, uh-huh. he'd be like... Zeus, I've come to bargain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doctor Strange. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. And so, is there any more? Uh, is there any more that you, either of you, want to say about the music of this movie, or have we covered it all? Well, Josh, do you want to talk about the animation sequence a bit? Yeah, that kind of relates to the music. So, something that they, a problem that they ran into when making the movie was they had one too many songs basically. Hmm. Um, so they needed they needed another sequence to put a song to. Oh, wow. So, so that's, yeah. Wow. So instead that. of uh, restarting filming, basically, they just had Don Bluth animate a little sequence. Wow. Um, so the little animation sequence, uh, it shows um, Sonny Malone and Kira, and they're in like this forest setting. They're, they're like dancing on top of this little flower uh for some reason they're like tiny fairies Hmm. and then they transform into fish for some reason and Mm -hmm. sunny is like fish sunny is chasing fish kira and then they transform into birds and then fish or bird bird sunny chases kira and then like kira swoops away at the last second and sunny like crashes into something yeah obviously yep uh, and then they transform back into tiny people and kiss. Uh, and that's pretty much that. I really like, though, how they were able to capture the essences of Olivia and Michael in that sequence. Because, like, the little bird era has leg warmer. Yes, yes. And I think I think the, the fish, um, Sunny, has a vest. The bird Sunny has a and, vest as well. And, and every every version of Michael Beck's character has a gigantic nose. So I think that really, just the personification of them as different creatures was just very spot on, in, in my opinion. Also, I noticed um, this isn't, I mean, typically animated figures are more expressive than actual people, but in this, it's really, really obvious just how much more expressive bird <laughs> Sunny is than human Sunny. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he almost does the, like, awooga yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. That's so funny. And can you remind me again what song is during this part? Don't Walk Away. Uh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The one you always skip, so that's why. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's a good song. Yeah, it's all right. It's fine. Huh. Did it need an animated sequence? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Could but... it have just been cut instead? Yes. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Nobody would be crying. But it was cool it to was have there. a little, a little animated uh, flourish, I guess, in the middle of mm-hmm. the movie. Mm-hmm. Breaks things up I, a little bit. I think it also speaks to the broader, like I was talking about. This movie was just this big amalgamation of. 40s meets 50s and they're trying to appeal to like every audience they can because i think at this point they know that disco is dead (laughs) so they're just grabbing for straws and 
I read this really interesting article, um, actually from a journalist, like at the BBC, who compared the movie to uh, 2019's movie Cats. Oh, <laughs> okay. Because, because, uh, okay, so like in Cats, they cast Judy Dench and Ian McKellen and Taylor Swift and Jason Derulo and Rebel Wilson. Mm. Like, they did this big generational span and tapped all these, like, uh, really famous people from those generations mm-hmm. and hoping to cast this really wide net to gather in as many viewers as possible. But really, it just kind of fell flat. And yeah. it's it's worse than you would even think it, it was. And I think the same thing happened to Xanadu a little bit. They were reaching for too much and didn't manage to hold on to any of it. Yeah. Really. Hmm. But... I think somehow at the end of the day, you know, it's, you either call it love it or you hate it. I don't know. (laughs) And I think it's so bad that it becomes memorable because there's just enough in it to keep you watching it Uh because it's either going to be the music or how big Sonny's nose is or, I mean, and Olivia Uh Newton-John, even though this maybe wasn't her best acting job. She's enchanting. She looks incredible. This is yeah, this like is peak can... Olivia Newton-John. She's a literal goddess and figurative <laughs> goddess. Yeah, like you, you she gets to use her Australian ignore. accent. Huh. Mm-hmm. You can't ignore her. So and then Gene Kelly, like you said, he sparkles. Yeah. You know, so I, in huh. there's some ways that make it undeniably um, fun to watch. Yeah. And I know it's it's really taken off in the gay community as a. a much beloved film and that was part of the reason the the musical got made Hmm. i think it was written by the same guy who wrote the script for um what's it called to wong fu thanks for everything oh yeah yeah movie it has patrick swayze uh john Leguizamo, and wesley snipe Mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm, yeah so which is a good movie also um and i I, I mean, I'm forgetting the, the guy's name, but he called it like Xanadu. He called it the most gay movie that isn't explicitly about being gay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think I kind of agree with that. It's very huh. colorful. It's very, it just is what it is. It doesn't apologize for itself. It's just here it is. So, mm-hmm. and it's got a yeah. moped scene. And it's got a moped scene. So and leg warmers and so I think it it's not going to go anywhere for a while it's always going to exist yeah people will always be talking about it it just turned like 40 years old and we're still talking about it yeah so and it really is closer to the moon landing than the moon landing was <laughs> to today also, yeah. or something <laughs> oh oh before i kind of had a little bit on really the name xanadu okay which um it comes from a 19 i'm sorry a 1797 poem uh, it's called Kubla Khan or Vision in a Dream, mm-hmm. a Fragment. That's the whole title. Kubla Khan or A Vision in a Dream, a Fragment. Hmm. Coleridge, Sam I believe. Taylor Coleridge. Yeah. Uh, and it's quoted in the film. It's also quoted in um, Citizen Kane. That's besides the fact. Yep. Contemporaries. <laughs> Lateral move. Yes. Um, it was, so background on the poem. This is another rabbit hole I went down. It was composed in a, and this is the alleged story of the poem, I should say. It was composed in a single night upon waking from an opium-induced dream after reading about Xanadu, the summer palace of the Mongol emperor of China, Kublai Khan. 
Uh, it was intended to be like a 200 to 300 line poem, hmm. uh, but he was famously interrupted by a businessman from Porlock <laughs> around line 54. And when Coleridge returned, he found that the muse had left him and he no longer had inspiration to finish the poem. We've all been there. Hmm. Yeah, but honestly, he was probably just an opium addict. Um, yeah. The source material that he was reading, that Coleridge was reading, was based off of the experience of explorer Marco Polo, Marco Polo who described Kubrick's portable golden palace of pleasure, which hmm. I know when I think of portable golden palace of pleasure, my next thought is Woolworth Disco. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's right there. one for one, you know. Yeah. And I read the poem, um, and it's a crazy poem. I don't know if you've read the whole thing. Like, major themes in it include, like, the interaction between man and nature, and Xanadu is described as this place of beauty and pleasure and violence. You know, also roller disco, I'm thinking. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it, yeah. it warns, and this is kind of eerie too, it warns of the dark side of creativity, like at the end of the poem, it, which almost makes me think of that part in Soul with all the lost souls wandering around uh-huh, consumed yep. by their obsessions. Because the, the yeah. poem, it's like, um, it talks about like, Oh, if I could only create something like that, to paraphrase, everybody would be terrified of me because I would be so obsessed with it. Hmm. To paraphrase, wow. to paraphrase the end of it. Wow. So, and I think Xanadu the movie became a victim of Xanadu the poem, really. Huh. In a way, yeah, it just uh, surprisingly was poignant for too much and fell fell off a cliff. I think that is fascinating. I think there are there is a lot wrong with the movie obviously like mm-hmm. just from a movie making standpoint it, the cinematography and camera work is pretty bad like mm-hmm. everything is either everything is like either zoomed in slightly too much so that it's like not in frame correctly <laughs> or or and, wide shots or yeah right? useless wide shots hmm. um there's I also noticed like just the film stock is very grainy in certain parts too like they cheaped out on that. Like it's mm-hmm. you can visually see the grain, uh, oh. which you usually can't with on, like on a DVD, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, or maybe just the DVD trans uh, transfer was really bad quality. But either way, and also like um, uh, I, since it was his first directorial uh, feature, you can really tell like he you can tell like he really didn't give much direction to the actors. Like, they were just kind of giving their lines rote. They didn't really have any expression behind yeah. them. So they weren't really directed at all to s- how they should say stuff. Yeah, and it's just a mess. Point. There's, like, nothing Nothing is lit correctly. It's all either too dim slightly or washed out. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Just really bad. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, Josh, did you no. have any... Sorry, go ahead, Georgia. No, I was going to say, it's... Like, not only is it not shot very well, but the special effects, which I wrote were very hard at the time. And I think that they were trying to, they were maybe a little bit too ambitious. Like, even just the day glow outlines of the muses as they dance in the I'm Alive yeah, sequence. Uh-huh. Like, it, I don't think it really delivered footage. Well, the release of the movie was moved up several months, so they weren't allowed to finish the special special effects. Did you read about that? Oh, I didn't. So that it was so meant sensitive. to release 
December of 1980, and it got moved up by the studio to summer of 1980. Right, I think it came out in August. That's wild. So they didn't have Mm -hmm. as much time to finish the special effects, (laughs) and they suffered as a result. No, I think if they had been able to finish it, man, would have been the greatest movie of the day. I don't know about that one. I think this movie (laughs) should have just been fully an animated movie. Hmm, I like that. Yeah, yeah. I like that. They, they could have gotten a lot more creative with it. They could have actually shown like Mount Olympus and the muses. <laughs> they could have had crazier music numbers, crazier locations. Um, mm-hmm. And they could have probably gotten afforded better uh, voice talents too. A few more character, for, a few more primary characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I would agree. Would have been interesting. Huh. Yeah. So Josh, did you have any more to say about the movie aside from the animated sequence? Oh, I just wanted to mention that it's my private headcanon that Sonny's painter friend mm-hmm. in the little yeah. painting business. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my headcanon that he is actually Uncle Ben. Because he refers, he okay. refers to Sonny. Michelangelo. Yep, exactly. Yep. All right. He refers I to Sonny as Michelangelo. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. See, now that's my headcanon now. <laughs> yep. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, guys, I'm, I know, Georgia, you've done a great deal of touching on this. Why was the movie a fail? And why did it later become a cult classic? Let's sum it up for, every, for the folks at home. Right. So, it failed because of poor direction. Uh-huh. No really original music. Uh, financial was, mismanagement. Yeah, it was basically just a mismanaged mess. Yeah. It had a lot of good ingredients that came out to be less than some of their parts. Yep. That's a that's a good way of putting it. Mm-hmm. And why is it a cult why is it considered a cult classic among people now? I wouldn't even Call say it that it's classic. a cult classic. Yeah. I just kind of stumbled across it and think it's funny. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Oh no, guys, it is a cult classic. Is it? Like, um, on, on the internet, you can find um, the Xanadu Preservation Society. Wow. <laughs> oh. And it is legit. You should look this up right now, everyone who's listening. It's legit a website that looks like it's just straight out of maybe 1996. Mm-hmm. Love it. Um, is it still yeah. under construction? <laughs> I was expecting that. No. I was expecting all the links to be broken. No, yeah. it's very much alive. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, wow. the only thing that was missing was like music to start playing when you loaded. <laughs> yes, the, yeah. Loaded the page. <laughs> but um, no, it's it's still it's still very much alive. Like I said, it's very big in like the gay community, and um, I I don't think I'm ever really gonna get tired of the music. Yeah, culturally, it doesn't it doesn't seem to have had an impact At on all. the zeitgeist. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, other than that musical, it's not yeah. um, referenced a ton in, in, in pop culture. I think really the musical was the big touchstone for it because, yes, it's a parody, but it's also a kind of a love letter to it mm-hmm. because <laughs> there was, like, the bones were there. It just needed character development. It just needed some a sprinkle of a plot, you know? Yeah. And it really took off like i can't i can't underscore enough how much i loved the musical it was so funny Hmm. but i like musicals but um 
you know, I think that's kind of where it, it left its mark. And I don't know, it kept all the music, it added it, it just it gave it the zhuzh it needed, I think. Well, maybe later on we can have an episode about the stage musical, but <laughs> for now, are we ready to close the book on the film of version of Xanadu? Yes. Let's we close that book. Goodbye, Xanadu. Let's, let's close the plastic VHS tape. Please. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So before we end the episode, uh, Georgia, do you want to uh, get into this puzzle alley? And, sure. and do you want to do the intro? You bet. Okay. You bet I do. All right. We keep so, this is episode you forty-nine. To prepare. Uh huh. Yeah. And I keep thinking I have... I almost had it last week. You right. did, yeah. Are we going to yeah. do a special 50th episode thing? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Probably we not. Should. But anyway, Puzzle Alley. Mm-hmm. I think it's time to um, put on our tap shoes. <laughs> okay. And, right. and not even trying. Put on our leg warmers. <laughs> okay. Because it's time to blue skidoo into a mural. Yep. What's that mural call? The puzzle mural. Great. In Puzzle Alley. The mural is painted on a wall in Puzzle Alley. Yeah. Puzzle, yeah. This is a mural inside Puzzle Alley. <clears throat> okay. Okay, you ready? Yep. Okay, so same as usual, I'm going to have a timer that'll start for you guys. Get that going. So it's going to follow. Uh, that's not a timer, that's a calculator. I like the timer because I work best under pressure. Same. Right. So. With this puzzle, uh, every answer is made up of a two-word phrase in which the first word is spelled the same as the second word, but with the letter C in front of it. Wow. For example, no, this will be easier than you think. Okay. Uh, For example, one who wakes up a reveler would be carouser arouser. God fucking damn it. Obviously. The example I give is always the hardest one. Okay. But I yeah. don't think you guys would be able to get in the Fair enough. Okay. Okay. Okay, you guys ready to start? I'm ready. Scared. Okay, these will all be easier. Okay, this with number one. Okay. Number one. Irish boy wearing clothing. Pass. <laughs> okay. Uh, security device for a timepiece. Uh, clock, clock. Yeah. <laughs> Where a group of witches bakes a cake. Coven, uh... Coven oven. Coven oven. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> one who assesses the quality of a feature of the lunar surface. Moon? Uh... <laughs> moon. What? Uh, <laughs> moon? What's, what's goon. something on the face of the moon? Uh, Crater? Raider. Yeah, nice one. Uh, a cowardly blackbird. Uh, Craven Raven. Nice. Wife's mate who is a little overweight. Uh. 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 Chubby hubby. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Okay. Sounds a little harder because of the different sea sounds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> one abandoning a butcher's knife. Uh, knife. Cleaver lever. Okay, yep. yeah. <laughs> okay, this one's a little tricky. Okay. One who runs their tongue over a remote control. Lick, clicker, liquor. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> and then the one you passed. Clad lad. Favorite, 
Oh, wow. Okay, you got it in just under a minute 30. Wow, nice. That was Hell good. Yeah. That was good. I like that one. Wow, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> Thank you, Georgia. Now, before we end the episode, uh, there's something that I would briefly like to touch on that I almost that I almost completely forgot about. I have a little bit of a, of a theory about the movie. Oh, okay. So, uh, this is Xanadu. This Reopening is the book. Xanadu, yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> so, halfway through the movie, the first half of the movie is... Uh, normal it's exactly like how it is in the is movie. this one of those ash was in a coma now hold time? on hold on <laughs> <laughs> when sunny uh roller skates into the mural uh-huh. he actually doesn't blue skidoo into the mural <laughs> and then does he, he die no he doesn't die but he falls into a coma uh-huh uh because he just runs into the mural at full speed and the rest of the movie is like a like dream a yeah yes yeah so that's kind of the theory that I had. <laughs> working theory. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I'm still kind of working on it. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so that's Xanadu. Um, and before we before we end the episode, Georgia, would you like to give our listeners <laughs> a little bit of a sneak peek as to what next week's episode will be like? Without giving it's too much gonna, away. It's going to be a movie that was pretty bad. Okay. You guessed it, it's DreamWorks Ants. Oh, maybe um, not. Alright, well, thanks for listening and we'll see you guys next Tuesday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.